Hello, and welcome back to Getting to the Bottom of It. I'm your host, Sejal Govindarao. Today, we will be recapping the biggest news stories of the semester, from starting the semester with a new president to ending with students taking to the streets to fight for abortion access. It has been eventful, to say the least. We're joined by the Hatchets News Editors to look back on these headlines. Isha Trevedi, Ishani Chetri, Nick Passion, Zach Blackburn, Faith Wardwell, and Lawrence Forza. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank, thank well, you. It feels good. Starting the year with Wrighton's presidency taking flight, Isha, tell us a little bit more about that administrative transition and what he's done through the first few months of his term. Yeah, I'm Isha Trevetti. I was the finance administration editor during volume 118 at Hatchet. Um, so since January, we've seen President Wrighton become a familiar face on campus. He goes on regular walks with his dog Spike and other family members, um, and also is a regular attendee at GW sporting events, all of which he documents on his public Twitter account. Um, it really looks like he's made an effort to make himself available to the GW community, especially amid efforts to improve shared governance and collaboration within the community this year. Um, he said his top priorities as interim president include diversity, equity, and inclusion, and helping in the fight against climate change. And he, he's told us that he spent the early days of his presidency meeting with key university and DC leaders to make that happen. And, you know, speaking of something that he dealt with right off the bat with his presidency pretty early on was uh, his email disclosing that officials track students' movements on campus without their knowledge. So what was the impact of this for him and overall trust with the administration on campus? Yeah, so that announcement came pretty early into his time as interim president. Uh, the sense that I got from the faculty was that they were unhappy that officials conducted the project without consulting with the faculty and without letting the community know, but they appreciated Wrighton's quick response to the situation. It looks like Wrighton and Provost Chris Bracey weren't aware that the project was being conducted, but once they were made aware, they took, a, they took action to address it to the community and professors seemed to really appreciate that. Now, as we're looking at some of the administration's policy decisions, the university started this semester with a week of remote classes before returning to in-person learning. GW continued its indoor mask mandate until the policy flip-flopped in early April, and officials lifted the requirement at the start of the month before reinstating it 10 days later as COVID cases started to rise. So Ishani, can you tell us a little bit more about that and how the GW community reacted? Sure. Um, I'm Ashani. I'm the former health and sciences editor for volume 118. And basically, in January, we um, dealt with as like the GW community with a lot of strict COVID-19 policies, including a mask mandate. But um, what we saw then in March was that a lift of the mask mandate actually happened in the DC area with, you know, DC getting rid of like their indoor mask mandate and then official shortening the COVID-19 isolation period from 10 days to five days for asymptomatic uh, patients who test positive on their first test at the end of March for the university. And then in April, we saw like the actual indoor mask mandate was lifted. And then shortly, like 10 days or 10 days after on April 12th, it was reinstated on in uh, the campus because uh, there was a rise in cases from the Omicron variant, and this is from the BA2 variant, which is a little bit different from the BA1 variant that we saw at the end of the fall semester during final seasons. And so because of that, you know, flip-flop between all the different, you know, mask optional, mask mandate, um, there's been a bit of discourse between students on campus and faculty as well in terms of, you know, what was the point of going back to the indoor mask mandate in April? if we were just going to, you know, give it back in the end and not 
like become massless. Um, but because uh, university officials felt that the increase in cases was so like was going to become severe with the new BA2 variant and you know to protect um, not only elderly faculty members but community members who are immunocompromised, university officials felt it was appropriate to just go back to the mask mandate um, just until finals basically for this semester. And so while you know students and a couple of fac faculty may have disagreed with that, I feel like a lot of um, the rest of the GW community has been pretty okay with it and has, you know, remain to the indoor mask mandate so far. Yeah, and looking at the fall, has a semester, in your opinion, set a good precedent for transitioning fully to a post-COVID world? I think this semester has been a good setup in terms of seeing what university officials can do when we have to respond to all the different changes for whether it's like COVID policies for the countries and like the CDC or even DC Health. And so I think it's a good start and that you know, in the fall, we may see additional vaccine and booster requirements if there are new variants that pop up in, like in the summer, unfortunately. And so if we need to see more requirements from then, like we saw in the beginning of the spring semester, that would be very interesting, but also very possible. So heading into the summer, the university continues to require indoor mask wearing, boosted COVID-19 vaccination, in addition to biweekly COVID tests for vaccinated community members and weekly tests for those exempt from the vaccine requirement. Residents may also host two GW-affiliated guests, including those who live off campus under the current guest policy. Now, looking back at life in the classroom, at the beginning of the semester, we also saw some incidents with professors that sparked student outrage, one being a professor saying the N-word in class and another denying a service dog from a classroom. Nick, what was the aftermath and have we seen a commitment to more inclusion and awareness from faculty? Um, yes, those were probably two of the biggest incidents that happened on campus for faculty this year. Um, of course, with Professor Bittler, who said the N-word and Professor Mata, who, um, denied a student service dog from entering class after an alleged miscommunication between from paperwork and her and the university. Um, but these events, one of which was racially charged, the other one, which was ableist, come on the heels of students of color at GW reportedly feeling exhausted after repeat incidents of racism across campus, while students living with disabilities said disability support services doesn't necessarily go far enough to accommodate students living with disabilities. Um, you know, uh, when we go to the more general terms, the Office of the Provost is doing a year-long diversity review, and they're looking at how to address diversity on campus um, and kind of reevaluate how the university sees itself as a diverse place that's accommodated and accessible for people of all backgrounds. Um, getting into the specific aftermath of these two incidents, um, the university has been pretty silent on what punishments or uh, what reprimands will be taken against both Professor Bittler and Professor Mata. Um, we've reached out a couple of times and asked, hey, like, what's going on with these professors after these incidents? And they've they've kept their mouths uh, pretty shut. So when it comes to the immediate aftermath, yeah, it's been, been pretty dead silent on the university side. Now, shifting gears from faculty to the student association, Lauren, we saw record low student voter turnout and lackluster enthusiasm for the student association election itself. Why was that and why, what should students expect from the president and vice president in the upcoming school year? Hi, so I'm Lauren Storza and I'm a student government editor for volume 118. So this year, only 10% of eligible students voted in this year's election largely due to both students saying they were more interested in other group activities and other student orgs than the essay itself. 
There was also a record low number of candidates running for the Senate, which may have increased disengagement uh, among students. The voter turnout dropped to a record low and ended up elect electing Christian Zaduemba as the SA president and Yan Shu as the vice president. They have each promised to increase food options on campus, increase funding for student organizations, and work on raising donations for incoming scholarships over the next year. And something historic happened in April. Katanji Brown Jackson, the first black woman to be a Supreme Court justice was confirmed. And she's a former GW adjunct professor too. Zach, you covered this. What does this news mean for Americans around the country and more specifically the GW community? Hi, I'm Zach Blackburn and I'm volume 118's Metro editor. Um, and yeah, so Katanji Brown Jackson was confirmed by a 53-47 vote in April um, by the US Senate. And she's actually the third um, GW professor or former GW professor to uh, be actively serving on the Supreme Court alongside Clarence Thomas and Amy Coney Barrett. And uh, she's also the first Black woman to be confirmed to the Supreme Court, which is really the, the major groundbreaking uh, glass ceiling that was broken. Lastly, we wrapped up the semester with thousands taking to the streets after the bombshell leak last week, revealing the Supreme Court voted to overturn Roe v. Wade. Tomorrow, we're seeing nationwide protests for ab abortion rights. So Faith, you were on the ground. GW students took to the streets. What was the sentiment they expressed and what are students seeing in the gravity of this potential decision? Hi, I'm Faith Wardwell, and I'm the new student life editor for volume 119. Um, so yeah, we're definitely seeing a lot of anger and disappointment in the crowds in response to the possibility of Roe v. Wade being overturned. Um, many students have turned out in the past um, few weeks to protest in front of the Supreme Court, um, some bringing signs and banners and even, you know, speaking on megaphones to lead some chants or give speeches to the crowds. Um, if you go to any of these protests, you're definitely going to hear a lot of chants of, you know, safe and legal now or abortion bans and got to go. So, you know, students are definitely saying that they're feeling very, very betrayed by the decision. And um, we're also seeing a lot of ambition to redirect these feelings into political action. Um, so we're definitely going to see a lot of phone banking and letter writing campaigns and um, petitions and places to donate um, circulating through the GW community um, on social media going forward this summer. Um, and that kind of, you know, represents, um, you know, GW students are definitely ready to make a change from this decision and are not happy with what they're seeing. That's all we have for you today. Thank you all so much for joining us. It's, it's been an eventful semester and I'm sure we'll have another one ahead of us this fall. Eddie and I will be here covering it all and we'll be back soon. Have a great summer.